Hello and welcome to the Jordan Powers Experience. My name is Jordan Powers and on today's episode, I am joined by the one and only, the lovely, beautiful, extremely talented Sydney Powers. Um, Sydney Powers is my younger sister um, and yeah, I I love her, man. Like She, she is probably the main reason that I am uh, pursuing a career in filmmaking and um, kind of doing everything that I'm doing now uh, because if it wasn't for her um, leaving uh, Kelowna at the age of 17, 18 and uh, pursuing her dream to become an uh, actor, uh, I don't know if it would have... Sp- if I would have had that same spark get um, lit up inside of me. So um, I owe her a lot for that. And uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect and uh, love for her. And so I was really excited to have her on the podcast and kind of be able to showcase her and, um, you know, help promote her. So, yes, it is um, an actor. Uh, She's the youngest person to ever get accepted to the Vancouver Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, She's been in films such as The Recall with Wesley Snipes, um, a TV series named Quersira, I hope I pronounced that right, which you can go and watch on the APTN network. And uh, she's been in, man, she's probably got so much experience just doing auditions, 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 auditions down in Vancouver. So uh, for all those Okanagan actors uh, out there listening to this, I think she has a lot of advice and a lot of really good insight into the industry um, and still is at a very young age and um, has a bright career ahead of her. So um, this episode is brought to you by Oakham Cannabis. Oakham Cannabis is a craft cannabis producer located here in Kelowna, BC. Uh, They use plenty of different environmentally friendly techniques to grow organic high THC cannabis. And um, yeah, you can now go to the BC Cannabis License Store and uh, pick up either Smoke'em or Oakham. It's now all available. Highly recommend it, guys. Go to www.oakhamcannabis.com to check out more and this episode is also brought to you by uh, Garnish Barware. Garnish Barware is located here in Kelowna, BC as well and they do custom engraved cocktail and barware kits. Um, you can go to www.garnishbarware.com to get your own. It's trusted behind some of Canada's busiest cocktail bars and um, they're awesome for just uh, lames like myself who are learning the craft so I uh, highly recommend going to www.garnishbarware.com and picking up your kit. Uh, and uh, with that all being said, let's get into the episode, my episode with Sydney Powers. I mean, and I saw it and I was like, what, what is that? <laughs> I kind of, I think I like it. You think you like it? Yeah. I don't even know what it was called before. Power 104. Oh, and now it's just the lizard. It's just the lizard 104 <laughs> or something like that. It's a lizard. Okay. Ready to start? Yeah. Three, two, one. Sydney Powers. This me. I like your last name. Thanks. <laughs> I got it from her dad. It's a solid last name. It is. Good one. What's the lamest joke somebody said about our last name when... when uh... Oh, it, we grew up in the era of Austin Powers. So <laughs> I feel like... Austin yeah, Powers one? I feel like it's just this when people see me and they go... <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you doing in Kelowna? Who are you, Sid? Um, well, I am your little sister. Uh, currently in Kelowna, I am on vacation. Nice. But I think I've had more auditions in the last um, four days of my vacation than I had in all of 2020. Okay. So that was cool. But yeah. What's uh? What do you think the reason for that is? Uh, it's just the industry is insane in Vancouver right now. Like uh, when I moved down there, there was 28 productions, which was huge for Vancouver, and now there's like 187. Okay, crazy. Yeah, California is uh, just not. Give the audience some some context. Why why are we talking about auditions? Why are we talking about the well, Vancouver films? I'm a Vancouver actor. <laughs> I'm a big deal. Did you not know? I'm a star. I'm actually famous now. Um, yeah, that's yeah. what I do. And uh, when did you start acting? 
Um, is this weird having me ask all these uh, questions? questions that you know all the answers <laughs> I know to? All the answers. Um, I would say my very first acting experience was probably when I was around four or five years old when you would uh, piss me off and <laughs> I would slap my arm as hard as I could because you were never allowed to hit me. We were allowed to wrestle, but you weren't allowed to slap me. <laughs> I would slap my arm to make a big red mark and then I full blown tears run downstairs and tell mom and dad you hit me. Yeah, I kind of hated that. I kind of hated that. I don't know why. I have trust issues now because of that, actually. This is why I can't, you know, be in a relationship with anybody. No, no. Because <laughs> I'll tell your mom and dad. Yeah, I just feel like I'm being lied and manipulated to all the time. It's great. Crazy. Childhood traumas. You're welcome. <laughs> Isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Are you the older brother? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm joking, obviously. Um, that's kind of wild, though. Like, do you think that, like... Like, like, do you like, do you think that helped? Like, I kind of acting a lot as a kid, I and like, because you were you were a bit of a liar. A bit? <laughs> Are you kidding up. me? I was a huge liar. It was like everything that came out of my mouth was a story. But that's also like every game you and I played until an embarrassing age of like thirteen or fourteen. <laughs> like, we were still killing orcs in the park at like yeah yeah. Well, yeah we were doing like uh, like make believe like knights and dragons and kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I probably stopped when I was like fourteen years old. <laughs> yeah, and when you stopped, I stopped, which is lame. But um, yeah, no, I think that was a huge part of it is that our entire childhood was telling stories. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I kind of I think back to that. I mean, like, I always I, I always tried to be like the the boss of like who what happened and like what the story was and mm. like and then we were always just playing pretend and yeah like me learning how the rules for monopoly like literally six <laughs> yeah. months ago i wondered why i never won that game once who who lied to you on that one you you because I, I couldn't read so you would read the rules of monopoly <laughs> in a way that you won every time nice so that's just called being smart that's yeah, just being strategic practical. that's so funny i actually think about that with uh josh borton you and i used to uh just make up all the rules uh, when we were playing Pokemon as well. And just, I would just win all the you time. You would win. That's yeah. how it works. It was game over. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you decide that you wanted to like act though? Like, um, actually act? It was, well, yeah, I guess it would have been grade 11. Um, first lead in a high school thing was Romeo and Juliet. And it was like, after that, like you hear, like it's like something that you always want to do. You're like, I want to be an actor, but you can't say that because everyone's like, no, you're, Pick another, pick another career that's not a real career but then you have one person just be like no you're really good and it's like boom that's all I needed I just yeah. needed one person to tell me that I'm not useless or I'm not like it's not gonna not work mm -hmm. um, but yeah I think it was Romeo and Juliet was the first time I had more than one person being like no you could do this do you remember who the first person was that told you like yo like you've got this you're yeah. good well besides like family yeah. probably like um, I don't know it was like yeah Ryan Grenier was probably like, it's one of those things that when you're in high school, you always think that's like, oh, I'm going to do something better. I'm going to go to Vancouver. I'm going to do something better when I get to Vancouver. I'm going to be... But then, like, I think the best acting training I ever had and the most I actually ever learned about the industry and the arts and, like, what theater is and the history of theater was from my high school theater teacher. And that's Ryan Ryan Gray. Ryan Gray, yeah. yeah. Like, it was, yeah. Like, I paid $25,000 to go to school in Vancouver to learn acting, and it was like, I got there, and I'm like, I know this. Right. And that's crazy because he was a high school drama teacher. Yeah, he seemed like he had a lot of faith in you also. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. And then it, and he was never the, you're amazing, you're amazing. It was like, what was that? <laughs> we know you're better, so what was that? And it was like, that's that's the kind of 
direction I need is not being told I'm great, but being told, come on. You can do better. We know you. We know you're great. Yeah. We know that my ego is big enough on itself. <laughs> I don't need to be told I'm great. Do you yeah. think it's necessary to have an ego if you're oh, an yeah. actor? Well, it's being constantly picked at, right? Like chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. I came to Vancouver with, you know, being Kelowna, like what I thought in high school, big fish, little pond, right? Yeah. Um, you get to Vancouver and you're like, I'm the shit. And it's just no clink no clink no clink and that ego gets chipped away each time and you get smaller and smaller and then you're like oh no i'm not going to be able to do this and then you just get one person that's like you got a call back and boom you can't get me through a door my yeah. ego's huge again <laughs> right so it's, i don't know i think that's i think it's important I, acting's so interesting in that sense because yeah you hear no so much mm -hmm. you hear no and you actors, don't even hear no you don't you don't hear anything you yeah, yeah they just don't call you ghosted. back yeah you're literally ghosted with each <laughs> and people are like what happened with that audition you're like couldn't tell you couldn't tell you who knows two years from now maybe yeah. i'll find out yeah exactly yeah yeah but and and, it, and like actors a lot of the time they're so in tune with their emotions and and like they're they're it's like that's the medium, right? Like you're, you're, you have to like know yourself and know yeah. your emotions and go to certain places and there's different methods and then you're just, yeah, just getting chipped away at all the time. So these poor sensitive souls yeah. <laughs> also have like the hardest thing to go for. Yeah, and, your like, whole job, yeah, your whole job is to literally like wear your like your emotions and your feelings and it's like being just like all of like everything on your body just needs to be exposed and you're like, this is me and then it's like, that's not good enough. Yeah. It's, and sometimes it's not even like anything you can do either. Yeah. It's just like you're either not the right look or, or yeah. the, you know, the director just has somebody else in mind, a friend that they already know is going to get the part. And yeah. Yeah. So. But they have to, you know, do auditions for, you know, the, the rights to even film in Vancouver. You have to audition a certain amount of people and you have to hire a certain amount of people fr that are BC taxpayers. But like half the times the roles that I'm auditioning for were already cast in L.A. Right. Right. Yeah. Like it's like if Margot Robbie got it, I don't know why I'm auditioning for it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, so you started doing theater in high school mm -hmm. and uh, Mr. Grenier was a big part of that and pushing you. And do you remember your first like big role that that like you said, Romeo and Juliet? I remember my f actually. Yeah. Well, Romeo and Juliet would have been my first big lead role, um, but I'll never like my I think in elementary school we did Treasure Planet, where I played a boy named Jamie, <laughs> nice. and uh, you know me. Like as soon as I got attention, I was all over it. That was yeah. my favorite thing in the world. Like I never got attention from sports because I don't sport. Because I was an all-star athlete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having to be in my brother's shadow of city champs, <laughs> city uh, champs. Uh, provincial champs, gold medal, gold medal, skiats. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a uh, yeah. I don't know. It's like uh, the, finally found that thing that was like oh. I'm good at this and people actually watch me do it mm -hmm. and yeah it was I think that was probably the first big role I had um but it felt more important to me to have a one-liner in like in a play in, in high school or a clone actors theater or um clone actor studio sorry or like anything like that I do remember being in the darlings my grade 12 year and that was my first okay that was your first feature film that was my first feature film and i got the lead role in that yeah which was crazy cool and that um, was the first film you and i worked on together as well yeah and actually that same summer we worked on the recall as well ah, yeah it was wow. the, yeah exact same summer so um do you know when i thought or when i when i first thought like okay you can be a really serious actor and really good no you don't know which moment no uh i want you to tell the story um but it was you ended up in the hospital. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. 
Oh my god, was it for me falling figure skating? <laughs> no, not figure skating. Oh, because I thought you were going to go for the Sydney keeps falling on her head. <laughs> no, but that was funny. Yeah, that was uh, rude. <laughs> no, no, you were, it, it was theater. Oh, when You're, I jumped off the... Oh, so yeah, I would I'm trying to... So that would have been during the pajama game. Okay. <laughs> and were you in the audience? No, no, Nan I was at were, work. I was at work. Yeah, yeah, and I jumped. So 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 provide some context. What's the pajama, pajama oh, game? Uh, how long were you preparing for this role? Yeah, what oh, role it was you? yeah, it was a pajama game, high school, uh, grade twelve musical, uh, last hurrah um, of being in uh, being in my high school theater, and I can't remember what my character's name was, but I know I had to run this one big dance scene. It was so dramatic, and I ran and I did a jump, and then where I'm supposed to land it, I rolled out of it broke my foot and was like all right um like it cracked it was loud like other people on stage just heads whipped and you were doing a front flip right uh, i can't remember if it was a front flip or a, a cartwheel or something whatever but off this block onto the stage which i've landed a million times <laughs> and for some reason this night just didn't my ankle rolled and i was wearing converse and i just remember bending down oh. because of one part of the thing we all lay down flat and i laid down sideways so i can tighten my shoe to pop the bone back in um, because I, I couldn't get off stage. I was in the middle. My, I literally had speaking lines next. So I, I untied my shoe and I just felt it go swollen. Oh. And I'm like, oh, well, FML, pop! And like popped it back in. It made an audible good click too, um, which was great, which just was like, but I had so much adrenaline in my system that I was like, it's fine. It doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt, it's fine. And uh, stood up, said my lines, whatever, got off stage, sat down. I was like, all right, cool. My foot's broken. Yeah, I like, have a cracked bone in yeah, my foot. Yeah, and I uh, made it to intermission, though, I remember, because it was part of the first It was part of the first act, and I couldn't get off stage until intermission because I had lines. So, yeah, it was... And, like, for context that people don't know in theater as well, like, it's not like you're just on stage delivering those lines and then, like, the curtains go down. Like, you're running to get costume changes and then to get to this side of the stage. And then you got to run to the back and it's chaos and blah, 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 yeah. blah. And all in between that, you're like, I broke my foot. And your director is like, excuse me? You're like, one second, got to get second, on stage. I got to be back on stage. <laughs> yeah, my foot's broken, but that's okay. I got a line. So BRB. And yeah. yeah. And so did they end up replacing you in the very end? And, like, yeah, um, I remember that's when you first started crying right yeah because Catherine um sherwood was um the other like we were double casted for that part so because like she'll do the role one one night, night and i would and do the other one the next night and yeah then, yeah you switch yeah because we had such a big theater that it was uh to make sure everyone's involved um everyone was double cast and yeah uh yeah she ended up getting to go on um because i had to call you and get me driven to the hospital and as soon as i got there and i saw it was like my phone just blew up with the we miss you the show went great like but i was just full-blown tears i was so upset that i didn't get to finish that show yeah that's when i i knew that you had a a chance of being a really good and serious actor and, and pursuing it as a career because i was like yeah, you broke your foot on stage, kept it together, and like just grinded it out. And yeah, yeah it was taking away the microphone from you, which was like the hardest. The hardest part. part, yeah, was when they had to unclip the microphone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it sucked. And so, have you? Have are you doing theater much anymore, or you um, kind of transitioned from theater to, to film to primarily film? Yeah, film is it's completely different. It's a completely different skill. It's a completely different. Because in theater, your whole job is to be big and loud, and which is my natural personality. So theater's, I'm not going to say easy for me, but it's something that like when I do it, I'm so in it, and I'm so loud, and I'm so me, and it's amazing. But then I get to do film, and it's challenging. Right. And it's like everything you do, every look, every 
micro movement on your face is caught and you so it's like con I'm, I'm a lot more judgmental of myself on film but that also gives me <laughs> well you can watch it back right <laughs> like yeah see and the other thing too is like with theater you can change it every single time every night i can do if i didn't like how i did my show last night i've got tomorrow night i can redo it but with theater or with film it's the director picks right i've no i've no choice of what i look like or what makes it in because the director picks so yeah it's a it, it gives me a different thrill of being like oh my god when i'm when i'm sitting to watch it for the first time like right. this could be what i remembered awesome or it could be do you yeah. like um looking at the monitor when you're on set or are you like i don't I don't, I don't care just like next take let's the, go yeah the only time i will watch myself act is when i'm sending in a audition mm. or when it's um finally done right because i don't i trust the people that i'm working with that hired me that they know enough what they're doing you'd hope so yeah and it's <laughs> i don't know i always find as an actor i'm more of a pawn in someone else's story rather than it being my story so if you know mary when i was in um Carencia, uh, if she liked the take or she liked the way that I did it, I'm not going to contradict her. It's her story. Right. Right. So, yeah, it seems like theater can be more of a medium for an actor because they can be in that role for like days on end and weeks and weeks and weeks mm -hmm. and rehearse, and rehearse, rehearse and deliver that line. And um, filmmaking is definitely more of a, a filmmaker's medium, it feels yeah. like, because there's just so many things going on. And then, okay, we need you to hit 30 seconds, hit that line, cool, moving on, we'll catch you like in two hours because we're yeah. gonna do these scenes and stuff. Yeah. So um, when you made that transition from theater to film, was that all primarily at VADA? No, I think- Or was that after? I think it was before. Oh. I think it was before, I think. Um, I kind of decided when I was moving to Vancouver that I didn't want to pursue theater as much. Um, but mainly because I just didn't want to do musicals. It was like I grew up doing musicals because that's what you do in high school. And that's what Clone Actor Studio did. It was just musicals. And I'm not the best singer. So I never got to be always the lead role. But in plays, I always got to be the lead. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I think it was I think it was that thing where I was like, if I have an option that I can do film and I can have a better chance of always being the lead and also there's just more money in film right like at the end of the day like if i have to take six months off work to get paid 500 dollars per month i can't survive off that yeah whereas you know doing one commercial is a three grand buyout and i don't have to work for that month so i could go and do it right, right. yeah um there's always the classic stories of uh the struggling artists in new york city in the theater <laughs> actors mm -hmm. and yeah, even like some of the world's best actors uh, that go to theater, like they don't do it for the money at all. They're just doing it as like another experience. And, yeah. Um, and so why did you end up deciding to go to VADA, um, the Vancouver Academy of Dramatic Arts? And I tell everybody this story about you going there. And so maybe correct me if I'm wrong and if I've been lying this time, but I, I believe you were the youngest person to get accepted. Yeah, I was 17. Yeah. They don't accept anyone under 18. Um, but yeah, you and I actually did my audition tape. And uh, and uh, Simon, the head guy, called me and was like, hey, so, um, <laughs> hey, hey um, that's Simon, hey. Uh, Sounds like an actor already. He is. <laughs> what a great man. He's so, like, eccentric. It's awesome. Um, he actually, 
I don't know if I should swear on here because mom and dad are going to watch it. But Fuck he, it. Okay, he bought me a pin. Um, he bought me a pin when we went to LA that said cunt junkie. <laughs> when he found out I was gay because he thought really? it was, yeah, he thought it was the funniest thing oh in the world. Oh my Lord. Yeah. That's a risky, that's a risky joke. You could have taken that one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he bought it for me and I just laughed so hard when I saw it because I'm like 17 still and I'm like, oh my God, this is the principal of my school. It was like, oh, I saw this on the on a street thing though. You thought, think it was funny and i was like oh my god all right yeah so yeah no it was i don't know vada was yeah it was kind of that thing that i went to because i thought i had to go to school Mm -hmm. um i don't know if i would have done it i don't know if i would have done it the same way now that i've been in the film industry for a bit i don't know if i would have gone straight to school okay yeah i think like there was a lot i needed to learn about being behind the like being in front of the camera but being behind the camera um that i learned from vada which was like you know, like how to hit a mark and where your lights are and even how to actually communicate with the director was a huge part of that program, which just was like, oh my God, thank you to not making me a diva. (laughs) Because it's like, yeah, you learned a big part about that. But as for my actual acting, I think it's more something that's, I prefer doing it as a raw version and doing things as like me as that character or like a not as polished you know, I went to school and this is what I came out as. It kind of almost, I felt like once I went to school, we kind of were all becoming the same Vancouver actors that were being pushed out. Mm. That the farther I got away from it and the more independent films I started working on and like working with like young, young directors that have never done anything before and young cinematographers that are like, this is my first time, you know, being behind the camera and actually doing our own project. I think that was a lot more helpful for me as an actor that's interesting than actually going to school yeah because like you think they were kind of like molding the same type of actor like the same methods same same, method and yeah that's interesting and people even like film like chelsea was on the podcast recently and she said um that she yeah mckeevoy yeah and she said that um she had to take she took two years off out of high school because like you're imitating life at the end of the day when you're doing film and so you need life experience you need you need to go and experience life and feel what it likes to have heartbreak and and love and and uh you know emotions and uh, well and that's a big thing too is like i being 17 years old i could act my heart broken you know but now like being 23 and it actually has happened and it was harsh and it hurt it's like now it's like a scene that i need to break up with a boyfriend or something tears are instant like it is <laughs> yeah. instant and it's so great and i'm so angry and i can get so much you know that's the one thing with my acting that that i i don't i can't do is like just turn the tears on mm-hmm. but you're so good at it like what <laughs> what is that years and years of torturing my brother <laughs> just fake crying fake crying yeah yeah i <laughs> I, can, I literally was born with that talent. But what's the method that you go for? Like, do you think about something sad? Do you, is like, um, can you just like cue the, the, the tear ducts? Yeah. Like, it I depend, don't get it. It depends on what we're doing. Like if I'm in um, like a film and I'm doing something like The Darlings where I had to carry my dead sister, you know, down a whole thing for 15 minutes, That those tears were real. Like they were, you know, like you can get into that. You feel like you're a part of it. And you become attached to it and everything like that is, you know, it's just, it's real when you're in it and you put your brain in it that this actually happened. I literally have a dead body in my hands. Um, instant tears. That's easy. But if I have an audition, um, there is, 
uh, it's This Is Me from The Greatest Showman, and they do like a, like it's, they were trying to get funding for it, and the woman is singing the song for the oh. first time, and she's hiding behind this you little thing. This. I, it, it, it kills me. I cannot. This is the Hugh Jackman Hugh, musical, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's crying, and she's crying, <laughs> and the musical theater, man, it like, it hits the part of my soul. So you just watch the video, and, that, and it I, makes that, you cry? Or like, like pieces of Hamilton, <laughs> instant tears. Yeah. Or, or um, um, What's the uh, uh, Dear Evan Hansen? Instant tears. You just put a musical in front of me and I'll cry. That's so funny. Yeah. See, I because like when I'm scrolling through Facebook and you see like the animals getting rescued videos, yeah. like that shit always makes me cry. But yeah. if I'm on set, I can't like take myself seriously. I think that's what it is. I don't take the crying seriously. Mm. Right, and so yeah. I just like I can't go and watch that video and cry on the spot because I'm like this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting, but you know when you're about to cry though, and you get that feeling like right here, like right in your sternum. <laughs> yeah, that. As soon as I feel that, I just go, don't cry, don't cry. And that my my brain, and I think it's probably many women have this, is that you're told it's weak to cry, and then once you get angry enough and you're like, don't cry, don't cry, you start to cry yeah. because you're trying so hard to hold it back. So that feeling right in my yeah, like right between my rib cage as soon as I notice I have that feeling and then I start putting in my brain that like you can't cry then I instantly cry damn yeah interesting yeah because I remember when I was a kid even like you'd be fine you like hurt yourself and you're fine and then you're like okay I'm good and then somebody comes over like are you okay and you're like don't (laughs) ask me if I'm okay okay. (laughs) (laughs) that's when you start crying that's my definition of working at a cactus club now with all the Karens (laughs) Uh, I heard she just called you a bitch are you okay I'm fine don't ask me if I'm okay (laughs) yeah how has serving uh, helped your acting because oh yeah do you do you do the classic like you'll put on different roles with different people Uh, I used to um, when I was like like, yeah, when I was really young and I just started serving like 19, I would go and uh, I would do accents at different tables. Yeah. And uh, I even still do that. Like if I hear, if someone has like an Irish accent or something, I'll go and I'll put on an Irish accent and everyone will laugh at the table. And yeah, I don't know, like that kind of stuff. And even just like being able to look at one table and being like, you know, I like their food came out wrong. Everything went wrong. They're pissed off at me. They hate me. And then turn to this table and it's a bunch of guys that are like, more tequila. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> like it's you know it's just it's a constant like flipping like you remember mom when she would yell at you and then she would answer the phone and be like hello <laughs> yeah. that's what it is yeah Jordan, if you don't clean up your damn rendering hey the power's household how are you doing uh, yeah yeah, that, yeah that's exactly what it is that's yeah. so funny all day every day oh my god okay um i think we're gonna take a quick break okay. uh but we will be right back after we hear from some sponsors and i want to talk about um some of your roles that you've done okay I feel awkward today. <laughs> I might feel. You know that we connect like it's Bluetooth. Yeah, you wanna drink, you wanna blind, baby, you choose. Look at how you take control. That's a voodoo. You know I love the way you run. You know that we connect like it's Bluetooth. Yeah, you wanna drink, you wanna blind, baby, you choose. Look at how you take control. That's a voodoo. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Wow. That's a good one. Huh? That was actually it's my favorite sound in the yeah, world. It's very satisfying. <laughs> um, Sid. Yes. What do you do to prepare for a role? Um, depends on what it is, but uh, like if it's a dramatic role, it's usually a lot of um, like looking at what their li- like what the lines are in it, and then taking little arrows and in between each sentence, being like, "What's between the lines?" 
that. Mm. What am I thinking? Um, because you don't you don't ever talk to someone without having a full dialogue in the back of your head as well. So it's like that's usually with my dramatic stuff. But if I'm doing something in uh, comedy or if I'm trying to be funny, it's just like be loose because I'm going to improv. Mm-hmm. And it's just don't think about it. Don't think too much. Be, be in the moment more so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do you follow a specific um, method? Because... There is, I haven't read this in a while, but there's obviously method acting, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's like a couple of different styles of that. I believe that there's no, like every type of acting is method acting now. When you're rich. Can you describe what method acting is? Yeah, method acting is um, basically the idea of putting yourself into the role or connecting emotionally to the role in some way um, is the basis, like very basic of it. Um, So when you talk about method acting, no one is doing. Uh, what, what was the guy named with the mustache and he would like black and white what is his name Charlie uh, Chapman, Charlie Chapman yeah. yeah no one's doing that anymore you know it's not slapstick it's not it's not that kind of thing and over if you're, the top yeah right and that was pre-method and then after you had Stanislavski and everyone else you got to uh, you got to learn how to put yourself into a role and be like no how would an actual person respond to that like a, ma- a cop comes over and hits you in the head with a mallet. You're not going to fall back. <laughs> you know, what, what's your actual reaction going to be? You're going to be pissed. Why the hell did you hit me with a mallet? Right? So it's like... Well, and that's what's so funny about uh, how films evolved is it's like like people still want escapism, but they, they want realism inside they want their realism, like they yeah. be able to, The audience wants to be able to connect to it where... I mean, when Chaplin was around, they were probably just coming out of the war, and they were probably sick of real life. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> like they're like, they let's watch something, something makes me laugh. Yeah. 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 But now but you can't find a comedy without a little drama in it. Totally. Yeah, right? And some of the best dramatic actors nowadays are, are comedians. Like, if you look at, like, Jim Carrey's roles, yeah. or um, I can't remember who the guy is who, uh, he's uh, in Better Call Saul. Um, and he just did a, a film called Nobody. Oh, and he's um, just so good. And yeah. Kevin James is apparently like really like got this really cool role. Adam Sandler in and, Uncut yeah. Gems, like. Well, even you get people like Robert Downey Jr., who was always like Tropic Thunder and things like that. And you got him as Iron Man, where he's just this douchebag, and then he dies, and your heart is broken. Like yeah. it, you know, and it's like things that's like like why is a com- why is a comedian making me cry? Yeah, you know why is why is someone funny making me like feel this way? And it's yeah, I think the whole thing Robin now Williams is Robin Williams also was so well known for that. Yeah, Robin yeah. Williams just hit every string and everybody like it's just yeah he was hilarious but he was so so depressed and so real you know like he he was he was the actor's version of um of uh, van gogh right you know just so messed up in the head but his art came out just beautiful Mm -hmm. every time yeah yeah um and so uh, you were saying so everything does does is kind of has method now. Yeah, as, as yeah, basis. you don't. Yeah, I think a lot of people think method is like the classic like Jared Leto scenario or like the uh, Daniel Day Lewis scenario or the yeah. You, you, know, do, you don't need to be Shia the Joker. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to be the Joker. You don't need to be drunk on set. You don't need to be high. That's not method acting. That's lazy acting, in my opinion. <laughs> Ooh, that's a bar. It is. If you're <laughs> if the only way you can play drunk is by being plastered. You're doing something wrong. You're not acting. You're drunk. You know, and it's like the only way that you can play stoned just by being stoned. Then you're you're not acting, right? Right. I'm not mad at it though. Like if somebody, if an actor did want to do it and Mm -hmm. it wasn't affecting their their own uh, their other takes that we have to do in other scenes, like well, that's the big thing, right? It's like some shots look beautiful on camera, but how are you going to direct someone who can't stand? (laughs) 
exactly. You know, like it's like you better get it in one take. Yeah. That's all you got. And then he's done for the day too because he's drunk. You can't do the other four scenes you had to do in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I haven't had any roles where I've had to like get method with it. But um, have you? like uh experimented with it and like like tried getting into that kind of mindset yeah i've definitely gone like the darlings is always a big one because she was psycho right she was controlling and she was psycho and she was like we, we, we still don't know if she killed her sister like at the end of the movie you still don't know and that was one of them that i noticed i was bringing home with me mm. every night that i was like you know, like things that I would say even to like mom and dad or stuff. I'm like, that's not me. That's that's Maude Chataway. Like, shit, right. that's that's kind of psycho. Like, why are you thinking that? <laughs> or, you know, like even just like like the way that like I would like driving down the highway and just being like, oh, you know how funny it would be if I just that person off the road and you're like, that's not me. That's some crazy psychopath. Like, why are you thinking that way? Oh, yeah, because you've been this character for three weeks straight now, right? right? Yeah, or Cecily Cardew, she was great. She was innocent. I was bubbly. I think it was the best relationship I've had with anyone because I was just ditzy for three months. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, so what is that? Like, is that just constantly being that character? Or Yeah, or... I think it's, um, like, if you think about it, you're a different person with your parents as you are with your partner, as you are with your best friends. You change your personality a little bit for each person. But if you have to totally 360 change your personality to be someone completely different than yourself you kind of slowly become part of that and right. it becomes a part of you. And then now that's a different part of your personality and you might be able to click into it later or you might just be some, you know, have to lock yourself in a hotel room for six months because you're the Joker and, you know, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. And like you can get there in that moment. But even him, like like everybody thought what happened after it was like because of his role as the joker but if you the, the documentary that his family put out it's like that was fun for him like he could get there mm-hmm. but as soon as he took the makeup off like he was, he was normal yeah. heath and he was good and, and that's and yeah. fun and yeah loving and yeah i feel it's the exact same with me as soon as you yell cut the tears stop it's instant <laughs> yeah. like i don't keep crying afterwards like the tears are done and you yelled cut i'm like cool yeah cool like can i have a banana like what's yeah. going on like do we have a second is anyone, like can i run and grab coffee we were filming one time and uh um we had just did a, a pretty long lunch break. I don't know if you remember on The King is Coming. Oh, God, yeah. I no, took a nap. The unreleased short film that may stay unreleased. We'll never know just because I'm a lazy editor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, we took a long lunch break and we were coming back and like I was being kind of goofy and the crew was kind of not like, you know, being super fast. And we had other actors on set who were being kind of goofy. But then you had to do a pretty intense role. Uh, and a pretty intense scene and as soon as i said action you just like were there you were like boom and you were into it and it made all of us like stop and be like oh shit yeah we're doing like we're pros like we're we're doing something here like we have to get back on track and it mm-hmm. it made the whole day go better and stuff because of it so mm-hmm. i that'd be one tip I, I i i would give actors is like like take your stuff seriously like what you do helps everybody on set when you take it seriously and when I, you and when you're a pro yeah the best i think you gave me that advice that was you you uh we were watching um uh uh what's his name wolverine uh, and you remember Jackman, yeah. and, and in the in the, in the, <laughs> yeah. in the vr or the, when he was just doing the um adr or whatever and he was just doing the ha ha with the thing and you're like he looks like an idiot. <laughs> he does. He's it's so stupid. It but. looks so stupid, but he did it so seriously. And it's like, you're never going to find a better Wolverine. No. And it's ridiculous watching him do it. But it's like, yeah, you got... And like, look at every Marvel movie now or any superhero movie. They're wearing pajamas. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. and they're looking at a stick which is up in the air which is Groot dying and it's they're the dumbest both, thing ever if it's, you think about it. yeah dragons you have to be scared of this man holding a big stick and going grr at you and you're like Ah, like yeah. you can't not you, you, yeah. or uh, Benedict Cumberpatch when he was playing um, Smog <gasps> and, like the, slithering <laughs> on the ground yeah, yeah. he's yeah. like taking it so seriously so confident yeah and I think that's the best yeah you gave me that advice was don't like who cares if you look stupid look at these guys like yeah. they're they're some of the best in the world and yeah they what they're doing looks absolutely ridiculous yeah the best actors I've ever worked with have always been the most confident on set yeah. like they're just like yeah yeah, I try to aspire to do that. It's why I probably don't act very much. It's because I'm like, this is so silly. <laughs> I'm playing pretend half the time. It's yeah. so silly. But it's so important when you're acting. So, like, there's money at stake. And these movies do make lots of money. And it is a yeah. lucrative career. So. And there's nothing worse than hearing, we're behind. Yeah. You, oh, get, yeah. you get a production manager going to the director and whispering in your ear, we're behind. Yeah. And then it's like all the actors look at each other. And we're like, okay, guys, we're about to get cut. So, like like let's do our best takes because whatever we make right now is ending up in it yeah like so let's, let's focus yeah let's yeah. go let's go um what was it uh, why when you're on set um how do you like to work with the crew and directors like some some people don't even like crew like looking at them and whatnot or they want like that's what i was taught when i first got into the industry is like that like they everybody treats actors <laughs> so, like we're fragile like they're so fragile and they're like look like look down when they're when they're acting don't look at them like i get it to a certain mm -hmm. extent like there's that classic video of um I think it's Christian Bale getting angry at uh, the cinematographer because yeah. he's trying to act and rehearse with the director and uh, the cinematographer's changing the lights and stuff. And he's just like, you're not, you're just not being pro at that point. And people that aren't in the industry probably thought that Christian Bale was being a dick, but mm -hmm. he could have been nicer about it. But he, we also don't know how long this had been happening yeah. and blah, 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 blah. But how do you like working with, with Yeah, It's, it's two sides. Like in Crencia, all I wanted to do was joke off with the crew afterwards. Like we had, um, <clears throat> we had to, which uh, you heard, um, fuck me, daddy, um, <laughs> in that film, which was great. That's the one thing I'll say is it's so <laughs> awkward watching your your roles sometimes. <laughs> like when you scream, fuck me, daddy, in that, in that role, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. This that's my sister weird. that's weird <laughs> yeah um but yeah like that whole thing we have a full outtake of us just being like hey you guys got to make sex noises from behind this wall <laughs> and it's me and penta and we're just so wait, what was your role in that one uh i was for the audience. um i was playing murray uh, who was the roommate that just slept with anyone and anything like anything that moved Murray was sleeping with them and uh, it was yeah it was super fun and she also assumed everyone was gay that was kind of the thing it was like what do you mean it's 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 2021 like what do you mean you're not gay like yeah. what like that doesn't make any sense you're not Every even curious you're not even curious everyone's a little <laughs> gay now like come on and uh, so that was that character and she was just loud and obnoxious and in your face and Again, just me um, on, you know, made it more dramatic and uh, and funnier. But yeah, that was, yeah, th that was Murray. Murray was just loud and obnoxious and crazy yeah, and the whole the, time. The character would come back to the apartment and your character would basically have a new girl with her every single every time. Every single time, right? yeah. yeah. So yeah, for like crew wise, like, yeah, that on that set, it was like nothing but joking <laughs> around and laughing and the crew was great. And um, I was the only only white person on that entire set which oh, was really? yeah which is insane but like um first day we did this big circle because it was during covid it was a very small cast and a very small crew because we didn't want to get shut down for any reason um so we had actually had a big circle the first day that we were filming 
and we talked about like, oh, where's everyone from? And a lot of them were native or Aboriginal and they had from different tribes, like all across Canada. It was super cool. And then we had like a bunch of people from like, uh, like we had a few Chinese people from China and we had a few people from Korea and we had one guy from Nigeria, which was all super awesome and cool. And then they come to me and I'm like, yeah, so um, my name is Sydney Powers. <laughs> I'm white. Um. <laughs> well, and the whole point of that set was like, they were trying to hire as many um, indigenous people as they possibly could, yeah. right? And 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 uh, they got grant money and stuff from yeah. APTN, or I don't know the whole scenario, but it was ba- you could tell it better. But this, the whole story was to promote indigenous art and the LGBTQ uh, community, community and, and et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So it was super cool being on that set because it was like being surrounded by almost um, literally the minorities of film of the film industry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was crazy cool, and I loved that crew. But then you get um, on Paladis and uh, Kelly's behind the camera <laughs> and I can't say whatever the freaking line was and I tried five <laughs> times and then he just <laughs> I, I lost it on Kelly. I was like, absolutely not. Like, no. And like, so that's, that's your, that's the actor in the crew. It's like, if I've messed up 18 times, don't laugh at me because I'm just going to keep going and I'm just going to keep saying it until I get it. But if you laugh at me, I'm a, a claws are going to come out. Yeah. Well, it was probably also like, what time was it? How long yeah. had you been on set at that point? Like, yeah, and I had a diva moment and it was funny and it was just, it had to be Kelly, which made it even better. But yeah, um, yeah. that's what's so funny is people don't realize is like, you're on set with the same people and like like sometimes in like a tight spot like if you're trying mm-hmm. to film like if you were trying to film in here with a crew a scene mm-hmm. like there's barely any moving room you're shoulder to shoulder yeah. and you're on set with these people for like 16 hours sometimes yeah and so you get onto each other's nerves a little bit every now and yeah. again i had one scene in Carencia where the hallway was so narrow that we had to film down that i actually before the scene would start would duck almost in between the tripod like the legs of the tripod and then walk into the scene because there was no other room for me to go yeah and you're like that like film crews are probably the closest people out there and so are you performing for the crew to a certain extent because like actors need to perform oh yeah in order to practice their craft yeah and like that's why going to acting school can be really good sometimes because you get an opportunity to actually practice your craft in front of people mm-hmm. so are you are you acting for the crew or are you acting for yeah i think uh uh, again, Currency is a great example of uh, Mary told me to, the director Mary um, told me to improv. And she's like, just improv, and your whole goal is to make Caitlin laugh. I'm like, I don't want to make Caitlin laugh. I want to make you laugh because Caitlin's, you know, confident and a gr- and great, great actor. Mary is shy and awkward. Mm. And it was like, and the whole thing is we're talking about Mary's character because she wrote, directed, I think produced and was the lead in that. So like insane. Um, But yeah, she was doing it all. And uh, we were talking about her character and she had blue hair and she's a singer. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to lay into Mary. So when we're talking about like, oh, what happened with, you know, Abe and, um, and uh, Daka and I was like, I was like, oh, what happened? Like, how many octaves did you make her scream? That did you fuck the blue Smurf? Like all of this stuff, and it was just Mary yelling cut because the entire crew was just killing themselves laughing, and it's like nothing makes you feel better about yourself and totally. amps you up more for the rest of the day than having the director being like, oh my God, I laughed during your take. So now we have to redo it. Awesome. Yeah. 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 You're like, nice. I nailed it. I nailed it. Yeah. I crushed it. That's so funny. You've done a little stand up stuff also, right? Yeah. Did you just do that to help with your acting or do you, love you like it? Yeah. I love stand up. I, um, I've also realized a lot that like a lot of people that do stand up go in the, I'm ugly, I'm fat. 
And then I come in and I'm like, well, I'm a Vancouver actress. So, (laughs) you know, and it's like just having that total opposite thing of like, I'm beautiful and I'm perfect as my stand up persona. (laughs) And uh, then I just get to make fun of everyone else that came up before me. And like, I'll be like, talk to the few, like some of the guys. I know I had one where uh, one of the other comedians, he was a bigger guy. And I was like, dude not even in your league like keep going right and it's just like little things like that comedians and love ripping on each other also yeah. it's like the perfect place for it it's so much fun and it's just like you get to and then they all of course went on stage and like started making fun of me and it was just like the gay jokes were just like so <laughs> you know and like me being a fake lesbian and all that stuff and like those were yeah it was awesome like she's doing it for the clout <laughs> she's doing it for the clout yeah. yeah yeah she's just doing it for her acting career yeah exactly yeah so that stuff is all yeah would you ever consider moving back to Kelowna for acting or is Vancouver where it's at for Vancouver's you? Vancouver's where it's at, especially right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just home for me now. Like that's where my friends are. That's where, you know, my relationship is, my dog, all that good stuff. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking about this today, actually. You've probably, you've probably lived most of your life in the lower mainland at this point, right? Yeah. Because uh, you were nine? Six. Six? six when we moved to Kelowna. No, because I was 11. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No, that can't be right. I was in grade three. I don't know. Anyways, I don't think you were six. I think you were like nine. Weird. I had Mrs. Weston, so I was definitely in grade three. Yeah, that's eight. That's eight. eight okay, so eight, you're eight or nine. Eight, cool. You're eight turning nine. That's eight turning nine. Let's go. Sure, let's go. <laughs> Something five. like that. And then you we, you moved to Vancouver again when you were 18. So yeah. you really only spent 10 years in the Okanagan, roughly. And mm-hmm. now you've been how many years in Vancouver? Almost six, six, I think. And then add in the time when you were in Maple Ridge. So yeah, you're a lower mainland person. Yeah, I like it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the Okanagan for longer than I'm in the lower mainland at this point. Yeah, so. and it's funny too, like when I first moved there, how many times I was called country girl. Hmm? Because it would like, people would talk to me and I would just instantly respond back and like try to have a conversation with people. Like I was just saying hi while I was crossing the street. Like <laughs> yeah. country girl thinks we have time to have conversations or like, you know, sitting at a bus stop and everyone's got their headphones on and I'm like, hi and they're like <laughs> take their headphones off hi i'm like how are you what's going on and they're like you're not from here like yeah. where, what, what are you doing you don't talk to people on transit and so like that was always funny that growing up in Kelowna and how was moving to the big city at 17 and like all by yourself and, and taking that on i just remember everything being so tall <laughs> yeah the buildings the buildings pit. i did like that was the most amazing thing and even now whenever i walked like down to a uh, cactus club or whatever and i'm walking down a um broad and i just look up and i'm like you remember how cool this was and that's like always a thought in my mind I'm like do you remember how insane you thought this was like how tall these buildings were um but it's hard to make friends mm. in a big city especially when you're not drinking age yeah <laughs> yeah fair. And, every, and all of your other friends are in their 20s like everyone i went to school with was in their 20s yeah um they're like super cool being the youngest person at vada not when you literally can't hang out with anyone <laughs> um because all they wanted to do is they wanted to go out to a pub afterwards or something and of it's course. like yeah and it's like i can't i can't do that um snuck into a few <laughs> allegedly um, allegedly um but yeah i think uh the hardest part was making friends and then once I turned 19, it was like everything was easy. Yeah. Every, everything was easy once I turned 19. Like friends were easy. Um, acting started to get a lot easier. Um, people wanted to see me more. You know, people didn't feel so awkward about talking. Like it was like older people felt weird about talking to an 18-year-old. Yep, fair. They, yeah, they, were, they would be like, I don't, I don't, I'm uncomfortable with this conversation. It's like 19. It's like, oh, you're fine. You're legal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like You're an adult now. You're an adult officially. now. It's fine. Yeah crazy yeah i i've always considered moving to vancouver but um i just haven't done it yet i know you were supposed to be a roommate yeah that was that was almost a thing at a point in time but 
Yeah, I don't know. The Okanagan is is in, the, the thing. I get it with acting. If I was a hundred percent pursuing acting, I would be in Vancouver in a mm-hmm. heartbeat. Because even just finding an agent and a manager or whatever is is important. Well, yeah. And uh, you know, Kelowna just doesn't quite have the scene yet. Um, unless you're a background actor, and then you can get a lot of work here. But other than that, you pretty much have to go to Vancouver to find like a solid uh, agent. Yeah. Um, do you you don't have a manager? You just have an agent, right? Yeah, my agent is my manager. Uh, yeah Canada doesn't have men Um, like in Canada you just need an agent your agent is your agent and your manager and uh, sometimes even your lawyer Um, it's it's more of an American thing to need both an agent and a manager Mm. Um, but yeah no like T does everything for me. What was that experience like, like uh, linking up with T and, and how crucial she, has she been in your career? Yeah, she's an absolute mama bear. And I think <laughs> that's the best part is like the, anything I'm uncomfortable with, she's on the phone. Anything I'm unsure about, she's on the phone. Like it's, and she, and she doesn't put up with any BS either. Like I'll send her an audition and if it's not good, she's like, I'm not sending it. I don't want that casting director to see this. So no, you can either do it again or you've now missed the deadline. So I guess you'll have to try again next time. <laughs> yeah. um, but she's also your biggest cheerleader. Nice. Right? Like when I do kill a role, like I was so sick once and I'm like, T, I don't like, I'm so sick. And she's like, just put something on camera. I don't care. Just send it to me. And then she messaged me back within 15 minutes of me sending it to her. And she was like, you are amazing. Like, she's like, you were absolutely incredible that you were literally throwing up between <laughs> like action and cut. And then you like puked on either end of that. And you still killed this. Like you killed this audition. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. I mean, yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta be nice having like such a strong cheerleader to this backing you up and, yeah. and, and probably helping teach you along the way how to be better and what like casting directors are looking for. Yeah. How do you prepare for an audition compared to an actual role? Like, is there like when you're in front of a casting director, like, are you, are you trying to think of what that person might want? Or you're like, this is just the best I can give you. Yeah. Um, I always look at the role, like, especially for an audition. It's how I like, how, how would, how would Sid do it? How would Sid do it and do it that way? And what am I thinking and everything like that? And I go a hundred percent with my own gut. And actually the recall is a great um, example of that. When I went to go do the audition for recall, the only thing we were told is that I'd been abducted by an alien. So I was like, cool, what's what's going to happen when I come back down? I expected me like I was doing the weird body things and I was like <laughs> drooling and I was like the whole thing. And it was huge and it was dramatic and it was awesome. And they're like, OK, so the rest of the actors have done a deadpan like they're sleeping. So it's like completely yeah. different from how I took the script. But that's what they want. They want to see what you do. And like sometimes you walk into a room and they'll give you like, OK, just so background this is this is this like there's a few background things um but for most of the time they're like we want to see how you interpreted it and then we're going to tell you what we want yeah and i think that's the best way to approach it or even if you look at a script you're like okay they this is how they want it and they clearly write what they want do something different because they're going to redirect you and you're going to stick out and you're going to stick out and then you, you show them your range right away right that's what i was thinking yeah. yeah, you do something totally different than what they want or what they expected. And they're like, either that's super cool. We didn't even think about it that way. Like, yeah, great, awesome. Or it's like, okay, you missed the mark by like 30 feet. Let's go way <laughs> back and let's try it again. And then you give them exactly what they want. Yeah, And it's just as powerful as a feeling of being like, I either killed it with my own art or I did exactly what you wanted. And I'm a great actor over here now too. <laughs> yeah, if I was in a casting room and going through a bunch of auditions, I would be looking, as a director, I'd be looking for look, um, range, 
and how well you take direction and just if you seem like a cool person or yeah. not, like somebody I'd want to hang out with all day kind yeah. of thing. Because, yeah, if you can direct that person and it's and and they have a wide range of, of talent, mm-hmm. then you're good. Like, yeah. you, can, you can get there on set. We can figure it out. But in the audition room, it's kind of like, you know, we're not actually on set, so there's no point in you absolutely nailing exactly what I want because who knows if you're going to do that six months from now. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's the um, what's the girl's name from Princess Diaries again? And she's in uh, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway? Yeah. Um, she wasn't even supposed to audition for Princess Diaries. She was supposed <laughs> to be somewhere else. Uh, but her agent called her last minute. It was like, hey, can you go and do this audition? She said, sure. And she goes to sit down to do the audition. She misses her chair. <laughs> and she hits the ground. And they're like, that's that's the character right there like that's mia that's mia she's clumsy she's awkward and she does she comes she's like oh hi boom and just missed her chair and they're like hired <laughs> yeah like you are mia like why would we not hire you so yeah so yeah. many stories like that are like like harrison ford being like a carpenter or whatever and getting recognized mm-hmm. and, um so do you like playing roles that are closer to who you actually are or do you like to completely get lost in somebody different um, or either or if i'm doing comedy i like to do something closer to me and i like to play myself and myself as a comedian um but as just an acting role i want to be psycho like make me i want to be corella i want to be you know i want to be the villain i want to be crazy i want to be psycho i want to scream i want to cry i want to throw things like you know like i want to there's nothing more fun than being a flamboyant villain yeah and i think that's my favorite role to play is like just pure like she's psychotic yeah cool well you're good at it thanks (laughs) (laughs) you're good at it uh we're gonna take one more quick break and then have a quick little third segment but uh we'll hear from our further second and last sponsor i'm still awkward (laughs) (laughs) yeah you are i gotta pee safe regular roles that make us fucking hate about every second we dream about a life to chase i want to be iconic i want to blast through the speaker while you smoke your chronic i have it sad with my reefer keep that shit hypnotic and i'm who want my product i like the world by best I'm yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. That's yeah, what I was saying. Except for this one. Except for this one, yeah. That's hilarious. You were just being catfished. I was just being catfished. That's yeah. so weird. I don't know why though, because that's the thing. Is it's like with girls, they always make them like go to like links, and they're like, "This is my new OnlyFans," or yeah. blah, blah blah blah, and then people click on it who obviously like want to see these girls naked or whatever in their town and then they 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 give their credit card information and the hackers like hack them and then like start spending a ton of their money and shit yeah. with me it was just like a random guy, <laughs> an average Joe with some camera heard. skills. So I was like, what's the, what's, what's the, the point? What's the game yeah. for the person hacking my account? And, and, and it, yeah, it was just all pictures of you too, which was so weird. Yeah. I guess maybe they were trying to catfish. Like maybe that's just a sign that I'm, I'm better looking than I thought I was. Well, look at our jeans. <laughs> Those DVs. <laughs> Those DVs. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Rachel behind the camera Hello. today. And just on joint rolling duty <laughs> yeah that's my girlfriend uh well we're definitely back <laughs> everybody's probably gonna hear that conversation mm-hmm. um sid brother what's up not much <laughs> um what do you have going on what is what is next for you uh well i'm writing our script still uh sibling rivalry rivalry uh, which will be super fun to film because it is literally the stoner rom-com. It's if 
Seth Rogen wrote a Hallmark film. It's hilarious and it's funny and it's awkward and it's, I think, like half the conversations you and I have actually had in real life. <laughs> um, like, I think I've taken chunks of like our Instagram, like back and forth messaging, and I've just made it into dialogue. Oh, and it's, nice. yeah, it's, that's smart. Yeah, it's going to be great. And it's, it's just us. And I think it'll be a really great, like, project for you and I to make. Um, so I'm doing that. I've had more auditions, I think, in this last month than I have in like all of 2020, which makes sense because everything was closed down, but now everything is just back and booming in Vancouver. So hopefully we'll get get some acting jobs come September and maybe pilot seasons coming up soon. So Yeah, and is uh, Carencia having a season two as well? Y- yes, unconfirmed, but confirmed. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've... I have signed on to do a second season. Right, um, but if it happens, it's a whole other scenario. Yeah, uh, Revy bought us, and they wanted us a Revy original, and we've been told that we're having a second season, but obviously I haven't got any paperwork or anything that's gone through yet. Right. So, yeah, but hopefully that would be really cool. Maria at a uh, at a reserve is just a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just, yeah, Maria at a powwow is going to be hilarious. That's your character, right? Yeah, Maria, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maria at a powwow is just all we need to see. That's such a good way of, of like... Um making it relatable teach teach more about like the indigenous culture and stuff mm-hmm. like that is have just like a completely bozo character like your character uh go to, to a powwow or to a reserve <laughs> yeah. and stuff and and that, that would be funny to see see that on there um you're you are a very talented writer thank you where does that come from like do you do does that come from just reading scripts constantly and 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 working on them or i think a big part of it was just like my like I'm dyslexic. So growing up, it was really hard for me to read. So once I actually learned how to do it and I got, you know, and I actually like figured it out because I was way behind everyone else, I kind of became obsessed with it. And then I think another big part of it is our Uncle Ehrman, best storyteller you will ever, ever talk to in the world. Honestly, on both the McQueen and the power side of the family, there's just great storytellers all around. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was like just a big part of it too, is just like hearing and for me, it's always this like more the, the stories of the McQueens growing up, um, like our mom being the youngest of eleven. The stories are insane of these kids, <laughs> of, the, of our aunts and uncles just being kids. And with that, I think it gave me a very creative way of telling a story. Is just like, you know, like it, it's a different way of hearing things. And I think that made my writing. That's very much how I picture my writing and picture me telling stories is mm-hmm. how a lot of the McQueens you know talk over each other and they're very loud and it's like you hear one word from Auntie Laura while six words from Auntie Lorraine <laughs> while Auntie D is yelling in the background and it's like to be able to take all that and be like hey what does this look like in a script right right because I loved sitting here and being around it and listening to it how do I bring the rest of the world into this make a script like it so I yeah. think that's kind of my writing style is people loud people talking over each other and just is it? Do you think it's beneficial for an actor to learn how to write? I think so. Yeah, because the way I see it is like you can you're not getting roles. Well, write yourself one. Yeah, you know? exactly. And like Jack Nicholson was a writer. Um, he always wanted to be an actor, but he wasn't getting any acting roles. So he started writing, and then he was a writer for a really long time. And then I think when he was 39, he uh, co-wrote Easy Rider um, oh, really? with Dennis Hopper, and then that like completely blew up his career after that. And now he's won an Oscar in every single decade since. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think he was 39 when he got his big break, which is pretty wild. So yeah. I, I can imagine writing and understanding story and the characters a little bit better. It's got, and like, even as an actor, you're, you build backstories 
a lot mm-hmm. of the time to your characters. Yeah. So you kind of have that already natural imagination that you, you need to be a yeah. writer. And also it's just like, I think another big part of it is, and I know many people who do this, so don't take me out, but it's, you know when you're in a fight or you're just before having an argument or just you know, finished having an argument and then you go and you replay it in your head mm-hmm. and all the things you could have said, <laughs> that's all dialogue, right? So you're rewriting the argument in the way that would have made you look better usually, usually for me <laughs> yeah. at least. And all of that is like, like I will play all this stuff in my head and I'll just be sitting there and I will have like done a full blown scene in my brain, like full dialogue 18 times. And I'm like, actually, that could work in my film like that. That's I can make a scenario similar to this. And then I just put that in. Right. And right. it's just I think I think that's a big part of it, too. Nice. Yeah. How And so how has writing sibling rivalry been going? Like how long have you been working on that for? And it's a full feature length script. Feature length. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm aiming for roughly like 190 minutes, um, like a t- proper two hour, um, like hour and a half, two hour. Um, but yeah, it's. It's a lot of rewriting, I'm finding. The more I want to put things in, the more I want to take things out. Totally. And, uh, yeah, it's... And really trying to follow that Hallmark um, (laughs) storyline. Nice. And that rom-com storyline, because it's very much like, here's the character, here's the problem, here's the makeover scene, here's how we fix the problem, which is all pretty much fixed because we had a makeover. That fixed 90% of our issues. (laughs) We took her glasses off and now she's beautiful. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's I think a lot of it's just the the fun of that, of trying to make everyone have their own story and have every character have their own background story is causing me to do a lot of rewriting then a lot of writing then rewriting it. And yeah, I describe writing um, scripts, but also um, editing as like like sculpting almost like if you have like a giant rock and you just start by just chipping away at the chunks and just getting down mm-hmm. to like the rough kind of um outline and then you can start getting like you can bring out your smaller chisel and you can start chiseling away at more finer details and you can mm-hmm. bring the sandpaper in and really start like fine but you start with just this giant blob of bullshit yeah <laughs> and you just whittle it, it down. down just whittle it down and you just yeah like for me i uh, it's it's such a cliche but i whenever i'm writing i love having like a glass of whiskey or two mm-hmm. and just getting loose yeah <laughs> and just blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Word yeah, vomit. puke onto the page and then i'll go and i'll look at it the next day and i'll be like okay no let's, let's yeah. fine-tune this a little bit and right same drunk editing. edit sober that's the way you do it <laughs> yeah, right drunk edit sober 100 yeah. um where did this idea come from for sibling rivalry and Maybe you can, if you can come up with a quick synopsis for the people out there. Uh, it started out as a short of um, just a conversation that you and I had. I think we were just FaceTiming. Both of us were probably drunk. Um, <laughs> and it was, you You had asked me on girl advice. And I lost it. because, I, Yeah, because no. yeah, cause I was a little sibling. <laughs> and I lost it. I was laughing so hard because I'm like, aren't I supposed to be, like, aren't you the one that's supposed to be giving me girl advice? And I was your younger sister giving, like, you girl advice? Um, well, you've had more girlfriends than me. That's true. <laughs> Which is hilarious. <laughs> My younger sister's had I more didn't even girlfriends come out, than me. Uh, yeah, I came out at 15 and I've had more girlfriends than you have um but yeah it was yeah i think that's how the whole thing started and then i was like oh my god what would happen though if like we made this like what what would happen if we amped up the drama right i amped up the scenario amped up the drama made it ridiculous and uh, that's how the whole thing started it was just a short script like very short film i think it was like five or six pages of just like what would happen if i tried to teach you how to pick up girls in a bar 
And uh, then it was like, oh my God, this could be a feature film. Like, it's hilarious. Like, it's so funny. So then it was like, okay, well, what happened if, if, uh, if now we had all these other characters involved and it wasn't just you picking up a girl in a bar? We're not trying to teach you how to pick up women in general. Yeah. And then it's like, oh my God, now let's, well, now we're going to have it where he's, you know, the hallmark writer and, and she's the, and the sister is, the, you know, the, the player. And now we're going to have her teach him how to pick up girls and him he, teach her how to love. And it's like, <laughs> so silly. And then we just add marijuana and it's, it's my script. And shebang. And shebang. Yeah. So give a quick, uh, uh, synopsis, a quick, like line log or whatever they're called. A line log. Yeah. I think that's what they're called. Or it's remember. like one tiny little two sentence that ex- describes the script. Two sentences that describe yeah. script. Um, Brother gets cheated on, uh, moves back in with sister. Sister uh, does the whole crazy, stupid love thing and is, I'm going to teach you how to pick up people. And then everything hits the fan. (laughs) Boom. Boom. Brother. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's literally what happens. It's like every, we have two very separate lives that used to be part of, like they used to be very close and then they separated because he moved away and now he moves back in because he's heartbroken and the little (laughs) sister takes over. And it's just, it's big and it's dramatic and it's funny and it's, yeah. I'm excited to work on that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's calling me. <laughs> Popular. Doing a podcast, bro. Um, what was I going to say? I have a question too at some point. Okay, well you ask me a question. Okay, question I was going to ask you is that, um, and you might have to cut this too because, what was his name, Dilly? <laughs> yeah, Dilly Bat. Dilly Bat, okay. My question for you is that you had Dilly Bat from um, Saskatchewan. You've had me technically from Vancouver. Uh-huh. How are you going to expand this? How am I going to expand this? Yeah, are you going to keep sticking with like the Kelowna artists and trying to help, like, you know, and keep talking to like the kind of newer Kelowna artists, people that are just, you know, coming up? Or are you going to try to like talk to people from Vancouver and Saskatchewan and Alberta? And, or are you going to try to get people from the States? And like, what's your next? How are you taking this? Yeah, next. yeah. No, um, it's a really good question. My whole plan with it is to start local and try to use this podcast as an opportunity to promote um, locals. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's just there's just nobody doing it, in my opinion. Like, I hate that I can't go on to like Kelowna Now or Castnet or whatever and click a website link and be like, these are all the shows that are happening in town. Yeah. And like, this one's happening at Fernando's, this one's happening at Doc's, this one's happening at B&A, this one's happening at, you know, wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my main goal to start is just be that kind of, that have, be that person that can help promote everybody in Kelowna and just yeah. give them a bigger platform and kind of try to stay up to date with it. Um, beyond that though, I mean, the beautiful thing about podcasts is I can interview anybody I want, right? And yeah. so I absolutely want to be reaching out past Vancouver, LA, Everybody, anybody, in, I guess my ultimate goal would honestly be to have Joe Rogan on my podcast. And, That's crazy. <laughs> you know, and yeah. like, and interview him. I think that'd be so cool be and so have cool. a good time with him. So yeah, it's not limited to anybody or anything mm-hmm. in the long term, like whoever is interesting and has something going on. And that's what like late night talk shows used to be, right? Like you'd mm-hmm. go, you'd go onto the late night talk show to promote your latest uh, gig and whether you are a movie star or a musician or a writer or whatever, um, so that's eventually what I'd like to grow this this podcast to. And I've noticed you're really good with like your questions and like like keeping people going. Like a lot, like um, 
what is it the hot the hot wings show <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah. you know like they're just so educated on the people before they come in and i i was wondering if that's just because you know a lot of the people that are on the podcast that you're educated with your questions or do you like have to go and deep dive into what they're doing and everything depends like with um the musicians like i i have such a genuine interest in music and and love for it and like and like um the local artists here in town that like I can just riff with them. It's like mm-hmm. it, it's it all starts with like literally being at the bar with my friends or with you yeah, or the whoever. Yeah, and just being like we should have recorded this whole conversation. Like this could be a podcast. And so like I don't I don't bring any notes with me. I try not to come too prepared with any questions. Like I just try to make it as flowing and natural as possible. Mm-hmm. Which is why this one's been so difficult <laughs> for me so far because yeah. like I know everything about you for the most part. Yeah, there's yeah I don't <laughs> think we've gone longer than like three days without facetiming or talking yeah, i don't or, know about that but <laughs> no i don't think so it's at least a text or an instagram or anything like it's like we're yeah, always we're siblings we're involved in each other's lives so yeah but yeah so i um but when i did the episode that i dropped today with cassandra mm-hmm. like i know nothing about free diving no so i did a ton of research going into that just to be able to be like just to have some context of what the conversation was about and i was genuinely interested in it so that helped but um yeah so no, I don't prepare too too much before no. any of these these things, and yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering because I'm like, you're always very prepared. I was like, do you like do you like the hot ones research that they do where it's yeah, just like not they, quite. Yeah, they ask questions that you're like, yeah. you never heard on an interview before. Maybe if I if I got to a point where I was like interviewing somebody very famous, mm-hmm. I'd like do a little bit more research. Um, but even like, uh, do you know uh, Nard Wars in Vancouver? No, no, that think guy so. like shoot, boop boop. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. He, for some reason, asks the craziest questions. And that's Mm -hmm. a shtick. Like, he'll know that you had your seventh birthday at Chuck E. Cheese in, you know, Wyoming for whatever reason. Yeah. And, like, and then, like, the the reaction he gets from the people that he's interviewing is, like, so funny. And that's a shtick where I don't think that's my shtick. I think my shtick is much closer to the Joe Rogan experience where it's, like, literally just a conversation or attempting to have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. That's that's pretty much it for for the podcast. Hopefully, it grows to a point where um, lots of people are watching it, and yeah. I can make a hundred million dollar contract with Spotify. Well, that will be great. Hopefully, it comes to the point that I'm famous enough that I can just show up on here, and you would already have a hundred million followers. Exactly, and that is the other thing about podcasts is that you can like you can get exposed to your audiences or your mm-hmm. guests, your guests' audience, and your guests can be exposed to your audience, and so it's like a mutual relationship, like yeah. a beneficial relationship. But yeah, stop interviewing me. Oh, <laughs> you're on my podcast <laughs> um let's go well f- i guess we're, we're getting close to the end here so um really quick actually oh i remember what i was gonna ask you okay i finally remembered what do you think it is about you and i growing up that we both ended up in the same industry and like what like what what is that uh narcissistic response you've done everything <laughs> after i've done it Literally the most, yeah. Um, I learned to ride a bike first. I wanted to uh, go into acting first. I learned how to ride a bike without wheels first. Without wheels first. Took the the tricycle wheels wheels off. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I was like, fuck, my (laughs) my sister is three years younger than me is riding a bike with two wheels and I'm not. And I learned that day. Yeah, I got accepted in Nevada and you moved out of mom and dad's um, house like I think two weeks later because you're like, there's no way you're moving out before I am. Facts. Yeah. um, But I think that was just natural also yeah and i think we just like our family's artsy everything about our family is artsy dad was a musician like yeah they all played sports but none of them were like you know going anywhere with it where i think a lot of our family went places with um 
art like even look at um auntie jody's boyfriend dana he does all that cool stuff on the wood right and it's just like i think our family and and grandpa has that obsession with all the totem poles and all of um the native art that he finds and aboriginal stuff and it's just like i think our family is very very artistic and i think when we actually realized oh we can actually make money doing this Mm -hmm. i think we just fell into it and it was yeah i think it's just something that you and i've always had huge imaginations and I think it's yeah the, the imagination part is definitely a part of it and yes you pursuing acting it was definitely what sparked me to be like oh shit like you can actually pursue yeah. acting or, or 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 filmmaking and like I always like you said like we used to do the whole imagination games growing up and stuff like that and and, and pretend to be like the knights slaying dragons all that bullshit yeah. um, but I never acted because I was too insecure to go up on stage yeah. and like in theater I was insecure about my height about how I looked and stuff like that and I just was like I just didn't want to do it I felt weird and nerdy and doing it you know but your grade 12 year when you did your uh your uh walk across the um but I only did the one walk right that no, no for your uh what was that called your grad the fashion show the, the fashion, fashion show, show yeah. yeah did you just walk across the stage you didn't do anything else I think I like maybe t- pulled a comb out and I like put, yeah, put through I think my you hair, had but something, like, you know, like it's, yeah, that's the like little things. Like, yeah, I worked it. I worked it. But like, like <laughs> but even was, something that little sparks that in you, right? Like, yeah, it was, it was tough though. Like I was nervous and, and, um, all my friends did a dance routine yeah. that I was supposed to be a part of. And I was like, I bailed on it. I was like, hell nah, I'm not doing that. Well, dance you're even routine the guy in high there. school that I was like running up to do leadership things and you were like i don't know her like i literally yeah you yeah. were way more outgoing than i was i was the leader of leadership in grade <laughs> 11 like it was i failed at actual school but my extracurriculars were through the roof like it's yeah i think i think once you kind of got out of that i can look like an idiot <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah i think you were still very much the same personality as i am i'm very that's 100 percent what it is now is I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay and comfortable with looking like an idiot and yeah. just failing in public yeah now because i'm just probably more secure with myself but back then it was not that no. i was like even playing drums i would get anxiety like playing drums in the really? band and stuff for concert yeah oh. yeah but um i think also what got us into this was like we had like one I, I remember our place like everybody growing up in Kelowna like the one kid had like the the pool and the other mm-hmm. kid had like the cabin and the other kid had the boat like we had the giant collection of movies, movies. right yeah. that dad would collect and then as a family like mom used to always love watching like um, rom-coms and stuff like friends and she would like like and like survivor and we would always have like Thursday night you could stay up an extra half hour now and watch this show heroes. with us heroes yeah heroes is the big one for me because I got to stay up till 10 p.m. to finish heroes right right like that was a big thing it was like a reward to yeah. to go and watch it and then even um friday nights we'd always order pizza and, and watch a movie and stuff so there was like this culture at our household around and dad like, always had a camera dad always had a camera like no matter what dad had a camera on him like like any time the uh, any of the kids were doing anything dad was downstairs with his camera right yeah. like it yeah and editing also and like yeah and, and <laughs> watching that disney video is so funny because you are just <laughs> on the camera all the time i don't know like, why like, he took it off me if we're being honest <laughs> like i was hopping into frame like all three feet of me was jumping into the frame like i don't understand why you just stopped filming me <laughs> how old were you and when we went to disneyland uh i would have been around seven or eight seven years yeah, old it was right yeah. before we yeah, it was right before we moved and yeah all you wanted to do was be on camera and just and just be making we went jokes to Dis- and- we went to disney in november of uh, 2019 and I'm pretty sure I was still in front of the camera I don't think dad pulled out his phone and I wasn't like but mom and I 
but Jordan and I. But <laughs> yeah. look at it behind the Wizarding World. Like you know, it's yeah, yeah. What is it that you like so much about being on camera and being on stage and performing? pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. You're an attention whore. Is what you're saying? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Well said. Um, shout out your Instagram shout out uh, some of the films and TV shows and stuff people can come see you in and uh, shout out what you got going on next all right well Carencia is currently on uh, Lumi ATM's streaming service as well as Revy's streaming service um, otherwise I think everything else I've been in is on Netflix um, now at this point so you can find the recall and all of that stuff there uh, as for my Instagram it is Sid Powers 551. I don't post really anything but pictures of my dog and my girlfriend at the moment um, because I suck at Instagram. Yeah. Dope. Okay. Well, I feel like I'm hanging up on a phone call with you or something. I know, right? right? Now. I'm just like, all right. Bye. All right. Bye. Love you. Love you. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> all right. That's it, people. Have a good one. You know, we connect like it's Bluetooth. Yeah, you